Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. Kane's cartel coming through. Tell me what these Welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. Uh, Manny Navarro, your host, joined on this episode by my producer, Mike Zimmerman, and of course, the one and only Kelvin Harris, former Miami Hurricane, three-time national champion. We couldn't come back after a month off without having Kelvin on the show, and it feels like forever since we've we've gotten together to talk Canes football. I'm glad that we get this episode going here, um, because football season is right around the corner, we hope. Uh, so far... Uh, you know, it looks like we're going to have a season as we record this show on June 29th, around 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock uh, Monday. And uh, so far, you know, I know COVID tests have been rising um, and the numbers have been rising as far as positive tests uh, throughout Florida. But right now, the word emanating out of UM and, and other places is that they're still going to try to have a football season this fall. They're not planning to move it to the spring or anything like that. So we're hopeful that the season's going to get going. Um, and I just put out a couple articles last week. One of them was the state of the program series, uh, where I gave a thorough breakdown position by position. We looked at the schedule. We talked about recruiting. So there's a ton of stuff at theathletic.com to check out in terms of writing. We also put out a quiz, but I want to start the show with Kelvin and, and going to you, my friend, because I, you know, what have you been up to all this time, man, while, while all this COVID stuff has been going down? I know you're home in, out there in Fort Myers on the west coast of florida um what, what's life been like for you bro slow motion <laughs> slow motion i mean you know um uh, just trying to keep my head afloat i've been you know pretty healthy um you know i had foot surgery a while ago and um recovery's going good with that uh other than that just trying to keep those covid pounds off um I like what I see when I look in the mirror, so it's going pretty good with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike, you know, but Mike Z, how are you holding up, man? Are you putting on any COVID lbs? Nah, man. Of course uh, he is. I mean, some. I'm, I'm sure I have, but uh, okay. nothing too noticeable. It's not like I've been leaving to <laughs> go anywhere anyway. He's but, in denial. Uh, yeah, He's yeah, of course I'm. A, if I if I say like you know if if I say I'm looking okay in my mind, I'll know. Um, other people might not think so, but you know what? If I think it, we're all good. Kelvin's not a guy who has to go and see the barber very often. How's your hair oh. looking these days? Mine? Uh, well, I mean that's true. Of of course it's mine. Kelvin Kelvin doesn't have any. Um, it was getting crazy. I <laughs> I didn't have one Choose from beginning it. of March till probably a week and a half ago. Probably maybe even just a week ago. And you got a mullet. Whenever they were, um, whenever they said it was okay to go. First day, boom! I was there at the barber shop. So, you, so you got a mullet? Yeah, I cannot pull that off. <laughs> well, listen, man. Um, we wanted this to be a complimentary episode to the state of the program, which we're going to do. We're going to talk some some Canes football, but I also want to talk about a few other things, um, including something that Kelvin and I were talking about before we decided to start recording this episode, which is, um, you know, this is the time of year where Las Vegas. The gamblers like to set lines and, and 
you know, have people gamble and whatnot. And, you know, since there is going to be a football season, we hope um, they've put out some lines. And I, f- I thought some of this was interesting. Mike, I-, I didn't talk to you about this at all. So I know this is new that I'm throwing your way. But since we are doing sort of a season preview of the Hurricanes, I think this is kind of apropos. Um, number one, and this was the most interesting thing about these these lines that I got from sportsbettingdime.com. Um, you know, they, they come out with uh, all kinds of lines. Who has the best chance to win the national championship? Um, you know, what what's attendance going to be look like? Of course not, because we have COVID-19 and, and the debate is, you know, who's going to average the most fans? Who's going to bring in fans? Are fans going to be allowed at games, etc.? Um, you know, uh, as I mentioned, the odds to win the national championship, um, the Heisman Trophy, all of that stuff. The most interesting Miami Hurricanes development. First D1 coach fired. This is according to sportsbettingdime.com. Number one, Clay Helton from USC, 8-1. to one. The second coach, Manny Diaz, Miami, 11-1. to one. Mm. Your reactions and initial thoughts to that, Mike Zimmerman, because I already had this conversation with Kelvin, and we're going to get to his opinion, but I want to know what your thoughts are when you hear that Manny Diaz, according to sportsbettingdime.com, is number two on the first coach to get fired list. Well, I, I think they have to go based off of who, which coaches are under the most pressure, right? And Clay Helton and Manny Diaz are probably the two coaches uh, on the hot seat, on the hottest seat in, in America right now. It's those two programs, you better perform or you're getting out. You know, Clay Helton's had a little more time than Manny Diaz has, but I think those two coaches, Helton and Diaz, are under the most pressure. And I think that's where they came up with these these lines where if Diaz doesn't perform, say Miami goes one and five, starts the season one and five, you're telling me he's not out of there? I, I think that these guys are, especially Manny, is under a lot of pressure. Now, they're not saying he will. They're saying that they're, they're under the most pressure. And if they don't perform, they're probably going to go based off of expectations and, and based off of everything that's happened in the offseason where – you know, of course, we had those rumors where who was going to come in and chief of staff, and who, and if that person was going to come in, are they going to fire Manny Diaz? It, there, there's so many rumors going around, and so so much buzz that that coupled with the pressure of coaching at Miami, I, it's definitely believable. Where I could say, okay, you know, that that sounds realistic. Foolish, Calvin. I know where you stand. Um, and and we again we talked about this off air, so I, I'm going to save the people some of the summary here. But essentially. They list Manny Diaz, number two, uh, for most likely to be fired. Will Muschamp is third, 14 to 1. Kevin Sumlin from Arizona, fourth, 15 to 1. And then Randy Edsall, fifth, 17 to 1. Um, the interesting side of all this, of course, is that Miami is also a uh, the 22nd highest pick as far as odds to win the national championship uh, at 122 to 1. Um, they have the 22nd best odds. And then to top it all off, They've got De'Eric King fourth uh, among the odds to win the Heisman Trophy behind Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Spencer Rattler of Clemson, Ohio State, and Oklahoma, respectively. And then they even la- they even have listings here for first defensive player taken in the draft, and you have Gregory Rousseau second and Quincy Roche fifth. So you got two Miami players in the top five among defensive players to be drafted. You got the quarterback fourth in the Heisman race, and yet Manny Diaz is the second most likely to be fired. How ridiculous is all that to you? Let's go back to coaches on the hot seat. Let's let's re let's re-rank that. Clay Helton is definitely number one. Uh, 
Will Muschamp is number two. Tom Herman is number three. I mean, why would Randy Edsel? I mean, is Connecticut, Connecticut's not even, you know, come on, they're the Division One AA program. So, I'm not, and then should Manny Diaz be in the top five? Um, I would put Kevin Sumlin ahead of him because he's a dead man walking, to be honest with you, at Arizona. And I guess you could put him as fifth. I'm just going around my head in the. Uh, well, they, they have. Here's the next five: Tom Herman from Texas, nineteen to one. Derek Mason, twenty-four to one from Vanderbilt. Chip Kelly, UCLA, forty-five. To oh, one. I my would bad. think Chip, Chip oh, Kelly would be number bad. one. My bad. My bad. Chip Kelly's number two. Scott Frost, not, sixty-five to one, Nebraska, and then Dino Baber, seventy-five to one. At Syracuse. Actually, let's let's redo that list. Chip Kelly's number one because I don't believe he's going to make it through the season. Clay Helton's number two. Muschamp is number three. Tom Herman's number four. Kevin Summers number five. I honestly I could see three all three of those Pac-12 coaches getting their throats cut. Um, Derek Mason, he just has to look halfway decent because who wants that job? You know, nobody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Scott Frost, no. They're throwing so many bags out there right now to get kids. I mean, they're taking some. You see what they're doing in Miami. They're taking any kid that looks halfway decent. Um, he'll, he'll be all right because the school is dedicated to him. Um, but, I mean, I don't have a problem with Manny being in the top six or so. But, you know, like Mike said, it's because of uh, the last last season. But then you go back and say De'Aaron King is number four on the Heisman list, and we got two of the first five picks in the draft. Among defensive players, right? But I, but I think that makes his case. No, if you have if you have all those things and you still can't win games, I think that's well, why those odds are so high, right? Let's look at the schedule. We we're, honestly, if we don't start four and oh yeah, there should be a problem because you got Temple, Wagner, UAB, and Michigan State, and then after that you go into what would be quote unquote the murderer's row of the schedule because you got what. UNC, Carolina, Virginia Tech, Florida State. Am I missing anybody? No, that's that's the schedule. I mean, it's not a very difficult schedule at all. And I, I look here's here's why I think Manny Diaz is not on the hot seat. I don't know if anybody's paying attention to this, but there's a lot of money being lost in college sports right now, and mm-hmm. the fact that March Madness was canceled, all that TV money mm-hmm. gone, the fact that the season, the football season, is, is the fact that you may not even have fans in it's the stands. Teetering. That money is teetering, gone. teetering on right. being canceled. So this money is so important, like just to have a season. Employees at the University of Miami have been furloughed. Okay, um, they've had to scale back the budget. When I talked to Blake James, athletic director Blake James, a couple months ago, I asked him, I said, if you guys have no fans in the seats whatsoever this year, if there's just you can't do it because of COVID, how much money does the athletic department lose? And essentially, he estimated it around 40%. Okay? They're still going to make the bulk of their money from TV contracts. That's 60% of their money comes from that. Um, well, you really think that they're going to pay Manny Diaz to go away three years worth of what's left on his contract to go away, which 
by my estimation, no. is close to $10 million, and then well, well, hire a new coach and an entirely new staff? You think they're going to go the Florida State route in this age? No. Let me tell you something. If you're a coach and you suck, this is the year to suck because there's also another another variable that you're not even including is that if there's no students on these campuses, and we talk about this too, that means that all of these colleges are going to have to give back portions of these kids' tuition because, like I said off, off, off air, if you your kid's not on campus, living in the dorms, eating in the cafeteria, using school books, you're basically got the University of Phoenix. Why are you paying $40,000 a semester? You know, so they're going to have to refund a, a portion of that tuition, which means that's going to be another, that's going to be a bleed out right there on the floor. So if you're Chip Kelly, this is the year to go 2-10 and because I don't know if UCLA, and I'll say this, UCLA, if you think Miami is cash-strapped, some of these other schools, UCLA, they're almost uh, ready to walk around Westwood with a hat in hand and take donations. So, you know, this is the year if you're if if you suck, this might be the year to suck. And this will probably, if Will Muschamp can go better than four and eight, he might even save his job. But yeah, is look, I'm be honest with you, I'm gonna be disappointed if we go eight and four. And if we go eight and four and don't win the uh, coastal, a lot of the alumni are going to be just and the boosters will be upset. But eight and four won't get him fired because it was well, we went six and seven last year, so you know you're you're two two and a half games, maybe three games better. So you know you say well, okay, but realistically, if we don't go look for for. Optics sake, I could say if we don't go eleven and one, I'd be upset. But that's bullshit. If we don't go twelve and zero, I'm pissed because there's no reason why we shouldn't go twelve and zero. Well, I mean, look again. You talk about the Uncle Larry syndrome, right? And how this team, you know, until they prove but he's it, been going to rehab, man. He's been he's been well, going through twelve steps. Right. We've been hearing that for a while now, right? They've been through this Uncle Larry thing uh, a long time. They got rid of Uncle Larry. Jared, Jared Williams uh, is going to go play Juco ball. Um, and, you know, some of these other guys that were, were you know, formerly ranked very high on the on the knucklehead list, they're gone. They've gone to the NFL or, or left school early to go to the NFL. Um, and so, to me, you know, I, I think this team is beginning to look a lot more like the way Manny Diaz wants it to look. Uh, obviously, the offense has changed. We've we've gone over that plenty in the last few months, um, but now we got to see where everybody is in terms of how in shape they are. And you know, so far we've yet to anybody. Nobody's reported that anybody from Miami has tested positive for COVID. We we don't know that they have or they haven't, but we know that it hasn't been reported. We I know from my sources and people that I've talked to uh, internally within the program that. Nobody has tested positive for it yet, and, and that's me talking to parents and coaches and people around the program. They've told me they don't think anybody's tested positive, so they've been lucky in that regard. But in terms of game shape, in terms of training, um, like everybody else throughout the country, these guys have been on their own, and now they're all coming to school again. Um, you know, they, they players started to come back here in the beginning, in the middle of, of June. 
working out on campus, using the facilities to work out. This week, July 1st, everybody will be together. The entire team at Miami will be together training with uh, David Feely, and then training camp is going to start August 7th. But, again, we'll have to see what kind of shape Miami's in, and we got to see what shape other teams are in. You know, I mean, uh, other programs have had a bunch of kids test positive for COVID, and they haven't been allowed to go back to workouts, et cetera. So um, well, it's going to be a very, very interesting year, very, very complicated year. Um, and I think making predictions at this point is a little silly. I think more so than ever, especially when it comes to recruiting. You know, <laughs> we can talk about recruiting forever. And God bless the people who subscribe to to websites for recruiting news because a lot of us wouldn't have jobs without it. But I think it's just so ridiculous this year to take anything a, as real when it comes to recruiting. So uh, because of COVID-19, I say everything has to have an asterisk next to it because we really don't know how things are going to turn well, out. Well, well I'm going to say this. You're right. Everybody is around the country is at the same disadvantage because of COVID. They haven't been able to train properly. And even when they do go back to training, there's going to be some alterations. But guess what? We have an advantage that no, well, yeah, no, nobody else in the country has. 95 degree weather with 95% humidity. Okay, maybe LSU, maybe the Mississippi schools. But day in and day out, there are no trees on Green Tree. It's hot as a motherfucker. We have an advantage. And guess what? They got to run because we run a fast break offense. So can you imagine the first month of the season if we if it starts on time? Temple, Wagner, UAB, which will be a little bit more challenging than people think. At Michigan State. We're going to run. We should be able to run them ragged. I mean, should we be. have an advantage. Yes. Well, the one thing I also I like is I think the kids are focused because, listen, of all the places in America, we haven't had anybody test positive. Miami. All the temptation. The Latinas. The Caribbeans. All these lovely women. All this stuff to do, and not one kid's tested positive so far. When that in, we know of, <laughs> in backwoods Alabama and country as Clemson, they're they're passing out COVID like it's uh, Christmas candy, and I think that's a lack of focus on their part. I just Probably I just right. think that the, I think the kids, I think they sense it. I think. There's a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. And, you know, you know, honestly, some of these guys have NFL aspirations. And the status quo is if we play mediocre, we're going to get mediocre results. So maybe this – and then I just think that the Eric King factor uh, makes a big difference. I think it's going to make a big difference on Nicosi. I think it's going to make a big difference on Tyler Van Dyke. Ooh, you know, man, you you went up there and personally talked to the kid, and you saw his work ethic. So he didn't really need any um, motivation. He already had it. But if you're Nicosi, you're sandwiched between two workaholics. You ain't got no choice but to be a workaholic. So I'm feeling good about this team. Just now we got to knock on wood because you're right. 
it's going to be an airship because I just don't think this season is going to go down without a major injury at one of the top schools. It's just I don't think they can get these kids in good enough shape by the time the season starts to not avoid some injuries. So this is where depth is going to come in. We're going to find out whose programs really are deep because I think you're going to have to use a lot of your roster. And I tell you what, blowing out your opponents early is going to be a is going to be another tool in the toolbox because you're able to get more kids playing time and deepen up your depth. So the 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 the, the, the schedule is set up for us to stack the deck for when it gets tough for that murderous role of uh, Wake Forest, Florida <laughs> State, Carolina. So, you know. Mike, Mike Zimmerman, you're a Canes fan, and I know you know this information backwards and forward. And, I, and, I don't, and what I don't want to do with this podcast is just regurgitate what you can read at The Athletic, which, by the way, I think we still have a 30-day free trial, correct, Mike Zimmerman? Is that right? That We're is still- great plug, man. Great, plug. great plug. I mean, you can go there and check out everything we've written. I've done recruiting stories. I even have a quiz for you uh, that you can take. Twenty questions on the Hurricanes. Um, but I want I uh, Mike, you're, you're a Canes fan. What do you what do you think is missing from this discussion? What do we need to talk about when it comes to this season and this team? That's that's sort of a burning question in your eyes. I started with the Manny Diaz getting fired thing because I thought that was the most interesting thing. The fact that he was number two. Um, heading into the season, according to to this uh, spe- uh, whatever it is, uh, sportsbettingdime.com. Um, but what what grabs you? What do you think is the most important thing for us to talk about? I I think it's whether or not that Miami can win the games that they're supposed to. Right? We yeah. we've always said if Miami wins the games they're supposed to, they should win nine games a season. It maybe even more. You, you, you're supposed to win nine games, and then maybe you win one or two of the games that are a toss-up. And, and you'll be in great position. You'll be able to build your program from there. Recruiting will get better because you're going to attract more more uh, top talent. If they fail to win these games they're supposed to against these uh, you know FIUs or, or, or Louisiana Techs, it's going to be the same thing over and over again. You need, And when was the last time we expected my well, – when was the last time we saw Miami win games they were supposed to and expected to? And I think we we haven't seen that in a very long time. Looking at looking at this schedule, it's it's almost it's very very mediocre. And they should run they should run right through it. But as as somebody who's seen, I mean we've we've all seen them have pretty easy schedules like this in the past, and they turn out seven and five or six and seven, mm-hmm. six and yeah. six, and and it's at, at what point. Do we either a lower the expectations of games we expect them to win, or no, b can't do that. when do we, you know, what what needs to happen for them to now just win games they're expected to and supposed to? Well, here here's here's a couple of things, uh, and these are just facts as I wrote in my in my state of the program series when we broke down the schedule. UM's lost two in a row to both Duke and Georgia Tech, okay, and is coming off losses to Virginia Tech and North Carolina. Miami's more talented than all four of those programs. The recruiting rankings say so. You can't even argue it, okay? Maybe the one player who was better um, than anybody Miami had last season was the quarterback at North Carolina, right? He's the only one we're going to say, Sam Howell, who was better than anybody Miami had at their, partic- at their particular position. Since joining the conference, Miami's 9-7 and seven against Georgia Tech, 8-8 eight and eight against North Carolina, 7-9 and nine against Virginia Tech, 
nine mm. and seven against Virginia, including three and five in Charlottesville. So we know the history. Ooh. Okay, the history has Ouch. to change, and I and I agree with you a hundred percent. Look, we we go in every season thinking Miami's more talented; they should win, but then something happens. The difference, and this is the whole point of my State of the Program article, which you'll read. Manny Diaz firmly believes that now that he's gone through it, he learned the personnel, he saw the problems in the quarterback room, he saw, frankly, how stupid some of his players are at picking up the offense, that he had to simplify <laughs> things and basically go to a system that is hurry up to get to avoid the problems on the offensive line, you get the defensive line tired, and then a simplified system so these receivers who keep running the wrong routes don't have to remember a whole lot. So he's made the adjustments in my mind, and ultimately, he feels like, from my one-on-one interview with him, that he has changed the culture around the program. And De'Eric King is a huge part of that. Um, I think Tyler Van Dyke is a huge part of that. I think the, the 2020 recruiting class is a big part of that. Now, we hear this all the time. We heard this under Al Golden. He's going to come in and change things. And then, you know, we heard it under Mark Richt. He's going to come in and change things. And, and so we hear the same song and dance every single time. But I do think that the number one thing I see different from having covered this team for the last two decades, being there, going to practices, seeing this team up close, the biggest thing I see is the offensive line coach. To me, that is the number one difference. You have a legitimate star offensive line coach, a guy who's probably going to be a head coach down the road, and Garen Justice, who has changed the scheme. He's teaching these guys, and he relates to them. Because you know what? Miami's offensive line was terrible last year. Wife. Well, he does. And and look, Miami's offensive line was terrible last year, and it's been terrible for the last few years. But they continue to get guys who are being recruited by other quality teams. I mean, it's not like they're getting a bunch of stiffs. It's not like Miami's recruited nobody a bunch of two stars. Well, yes, Zion Nelson was a two star, but John well, Campbell me, was recruited by a bunch of Power Five schools. Um, Kyleon Herbert was a four-star offensive lineman recruited by a bunch of – so the talent is obviously there. It's can you get the offensive line coach to make those guys better. Our Kehoe did that for years. Miami didn't recruit the best offensive lineman in the country. I mean, uh, Leon Searcy ended up becoming a first-round pick, but coming out of high school, was everybody in the country coming after Leon Searcy? No. No. They, they turned him into a better player. Kelvin Harris was a linebacker, okay? <laughs> I mean, and he ends up starting okay. on a national okay. championship team at center. Go ahead, Kelvin. I know you want to jump in. Well, it's not that, not just that, that you know we we're recruiting talent that that everybody wanted. We're recruiting guys who are actually going to the league at the offensive line because you know you brought this up. We've got more linemen drafted than Clemson since we've been in the ACC. It's just something hasn't meshed right, and I think this works. I think you know Garen, you know. You know, we, we talked about this off air. You know, when you did your interview with him, he had one black guy in his school. In his life, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he managed to make an adjustment at West Virginia and through his coaching stops that a guy who wasn't around the culture of the kids, cause, and, and i got to be honest with you, Dealing with South Florida people is a lot different than dealing with people anywhere else in the country. And he has seemed to come in and made a seamless transition, not just when he was here, but when he was at FAU. Because I know you talked to 
a couple guys went to FAU. And right, FAU come, and UNLV, former players. And UNLV, which, hey, I lived in Vegas for a year. Man, that is a, that's a, that's a culture shock. But, you know, in my communication with him and with some of the players, it's just a great fit. And then it doesn't, you know, I think, you know, his biggest recruiting sale is when you look at his wife and her, she's cooking these, cooking, making these brownies, and you're thinking, well, if he could convince her to get with him, he must be a hell of a good coach because I, I don't see it. He's definitely married up. So we know he can recruit. <laughs> <laughs> but when I looked at the spring practice videos that you guys were putting out and the drills that he was doing, I liked the fact that he's, he's emphasizing good, solid, basic run technique, downhill run technique, and, you know, aggressive run technique. And then he's come in, he's changed the pass pro techniques for the tackles, and I think uh, that's allowed John Campbell and number 57 to uh, become better, and I think it's going to get Zion Nelson's confidence back. And, you know... We talked about this off air. Torian Wilson, who you went to Northwestern, played uh, South Florida, um, is training the Jared Williams kid, and he looks his footwork looks good. I just think that I, what you said about Manny, I totally believe the most the most difficult thing for me was to admit that our kids couldn't pick up that system. Because that's just never been how who we are. We were always the smartest people, and you know, Dade County High School football is different now. It's throw out four wides, everybody go run, quarterback stand around, somebody gets open, or he runs around and you know breaks a couple of tackles and makes people miss. You know, so you know reading, you know having choice routes and reading reading coverage. A lot of that goes on in high school now. But these guys are phenomenal athletes. And there's really no excuse for Mark Pope not to be a standout this year because the offense can't get any simpler. I mean, at this point, Manny, you could pick up this offense and play slot <laughs> for us. You and yeah, Zimmer, I don't know. I, both of you in the slides. I think, uh, so, I, think I run like a 7-something seven, a seven 40, but go ahead. Hey, hey, man! It's about reading the coverage, man. And you just making the making the right route run. I mean, Julian Edelman can do it. You can do it. But um, there is no excuse. No, and there hasn't been for a long time. And here's a couple of other foot, quick footnotes why I think that they'll be better. Number one, Jose Borregales. Five out of the seven games that they lost last year. Um, they, they were seven points or less, okay? And some of those were included missed field goals. Miami didn't even attempt a field goal after the first two games of the season. Remember when uh, our boy Bubba Babaxa missed the, uh, the, the what would have been, I guess, was it the game-tying field goal at North Carolina at the end of regulation? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. When he missed that field goal, that was the last time Miami took a field goal longer than 40 yards the entire season. Mm. I mean, they didn't even bother. Mm. Manny Diaz didn't even bother to line up because they couldn't even make the chip shots. So having well, Jose Borregales, having a kicker, being able to score points on all your drives is going to make a huge difference. Um, oh, obviously, yeah. you talk about Quincy Roche, Derek King, adding those guys to switch to the offense. Um, all of that is going to is going to play a huge role. But I think offensive line kicking, I would rank those number one 
and number two as far as the most important factors for this team, why they're going to be different this coming season? Uh, I would rank them two and three. Number one is Derrick King. Mm-hmm. Well, I, mean, he, I think in the end he's going to be the star, but I think in terms of as an overall program, um, you know, I, I think changing fundamentally who they are as the offensive line and then being able to score points on special teams is going to be just as important as having Derrick King on their center. Yeah, I agree. And then having those two stud edge rushers and then the two stud edge rushers behind those two stud edge rushers. <laughs> right. A Al little Blaise bit of depth in that position. Ivey. Yeah, Al Blaze and DJ Ivy are going to look a lot better this year. One, because it's their second year. And two, because they don't have to cover as long. We just need Correct. Nesta, Ford, Jordan Miller to give us some semblance of an inside push. And I really think I really, I really got high expectations for Zach McLeod. I mean, there's a lot of question marks, guys. Let's not get it twisted. This isn't a slam dunk. But I'm going to err on the side of enthusiasm. I think that, you know, you we you know, this dog has been back in the corner to the point where there's no place else this dog can go but forward. And why not do it this year? By the way, I mentioned the uh, the sports quiz that I uh, that I did uh, last week. Uh, we got, I think, 230 responses. Calvin, you, you told me you scored 17 out of 20, right? That was your score? Six, 16. 16 out of 20. The two highest scores were 17. Um, those are the two highest scores that we've gotten. Mike Zimmerman, what did you score? Uh, I got 11. There were a few that I was uh, surprised by. Um, I think I, I mentioned to you one of them that really caught my eye was which uh, which receiver – out of those, I, I believe there are four or five options. Never had a thousand yard uh, receiving season at Miami, and surprisingly enough, the the most well known one, Michael Irvin, was the answer. Had a couple eight hundred yard seasons, uh, but then when you get to think about it, you know, back in that day, uh, you know, throwing the ball, you know, wasn't wasn't as big as it is now. It was more balanced, and um, you know, once you get well, thinking about that, it, then yeah, it's yeah, yeah, Britt and Brian there too. Exactly. Yeah, they spread the ball around a lot. Yeah, um, the most, the average score, by the way, fellas, I'll give I'll give you the numbers. The nine, the highest, the uh, nine point four three is the uh, average score. So you guys were above average. I'm glad to see that. Most people have told me they scored fourteen out of twenty. A lot of people did uh, that reached out to me that are, that are journalists uh, and in the field told me they scored fourteen out of twenty. So. Uh, you know, some interesting topics good. in there. I threw I threw the field goal stat in there, by the way. The one about not even attempting a 40-yard field goal the rest of the season. Um, go ahead. You were going to say something, Kelvin? Yeah, man. What did Barry? I want to see Barry score. Yeah, I don't know if Barry took the test. Well, well I'll have to reach out and ask him if, yeah. if that happened. Um, but the one, the one that was kind of blew me away as I was doing the research for this stuff and coming up with the questions and doing all the research for this stuff was since joining the ACC in 2004, the Hurricanes have lost more bowl games than any other team in the conference. And Ed, mm-hmm. that was, of course, a true or false question. Um, did you guys both get that right? Did you both say true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I just based off the fact of how many bowl games they've lost in so far, I, I, I kind mean, of assumed that no other team game. lost more. We've only won one bowl game in the last 10 years. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, three – Three and ten overall since joining the ACC. The other one that was kind of interesting was 
you know, Miami signed six defensive backs in uh, in the 2020 class, including Avante Williams, of course, who was the, the last guy that they added, the All-American. He was the highest ranked, fifth highest ranked defensive back Miami's had uh, since 2000. Only Kenny Phillips, Tracy Howard, Brandon Harris, and Antrell Roll were rated higher since 2000. Um, but this one kind of surprised me when I did the research. 11 out of the 15 scholarship DBs on this roster were rated four stars or better. So I know, you know, people look at this team from last year and say, man, there's no doubt the secondary wasn't as good. You had Al Blades, you had DJ Ivy get burned on a few times. Um, you know, you had the safety situation, huh? But they were young. And the fact that 11 out of 15 are four star recruits or better is kind of like, wow, there's talent on this secondary. Mm-hmm. And you're going to see it come to fruition this year with Breezy Bolden, or excuse me, Bubba Bolden. I keep saying his mouth. Bubba <laughs> Bolden, Amari Carter, and uh, Gervin Hall. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty uh, good really, rotation. really interesting. To me, it's really interesting how, how loaded they are at the safety position. You got three guys who, who are all, I think, could start on most ACC teams, um, if not all of them. And then you have. You know, those guys at the cornerback position that I think, you know, when you look at what Pro Football Focus graded Al Blades Jr., he actually had a pretty good year, really good year, kind of like what Trajan Bandy did as a sophomore where he had a really, really good year. And then, you know, DJ Ivey, uh, he's another guy who, um, yes, he had his moments where he struggled, but I think he's a more talented player who just needs to kind of learn the rope. So, I mean, defensively, I think the biggest hole when you look at this team is, okay, who starts at linebacker next to Zach McLeod? Can that guy stay healthy and, and remain on the field? And, and can Miami get the kind of health that they had with Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney at that position um, for the last few years where those guys fought through injuries and they kept playing? I think that's going to be an important factor here because all the other guys, aside from the freshmen, have all had their injuries. They've all missed time. You think about all the guys who are returning from injury uh, from that group. Um, so I think that's going to be the concern. Can those guys stay healthy, and can Miami get consistency from that linebacker position? What's your biggest question yeah. on defense, Kelvin? It's um, it's got to be the linebackers because um, honestly, you know what you're getting up front. Even if Nesta and Ford and Miller don't give us a lot of pass rush, they play the run well, and we know what we're going to get out of the ends. And you pretty much can expect good things out of the secondary. But the question mark is the entire linebacker core, because even though Zach McLeod's a three-year starter, you're talking about a guy who um, has never been the Mike linebacker before. So it's a bit of a transition there. And then you got Huff, Sam Brooks, Frierson, Smith, all young guys who, between the uh, – Five of them, four of them, only have one start. Now, mind you, Sam Brooks looked good in that start, but still. So, that's the biggest, easily the biggest question mark. And but I'm I'm optimistic because I'm really high on the Huff kid, and I think Sam Brooks is going to be special too. And I think at some point we can put both of them on the field at the same time because the Huff kid has some some unique. Uh, traits that he could play both sides. He could be what I call the Smitty backer. You know, my my old teammate Darren Smith is he's the prototype of what you're looking for at that strong side backer. You know, he was 230. He ran a 4-4-1, 4-4-2. He could 
fill a hole, he could cover. And I think Huff has those uh, traits. Out, you know, it'll be it'll remain to be seen if he can, you know, do that because when you have potential, when they say you got potential, all that means is you ain't done shit yet. So he ain't done shit yet. <laughs> so we got to see. You know, we got to see what happens. But the linebackers, I think the best thing that's happening for them is they don't have to be Superman. They got four guys in front of them that's gonna make their job easier, and four guys behind them that'll make their job easier as well in the passing game. So. Just you know, just float the ball, dropping your, your your zones, and you know, pick up your man. Just make it easy on yourself. Uh, Mike, before I, I we we wrap this thing up with any questions you might have, um, I, I did get one question on Twitter um, related for the show that says, "Do you know if Miami is in heavy contact with Jake Garcia? Also, do you think Miami lands Brashard Smith? Of course, recruiting. God bless recruiting. I mean, that's keeping so many people." Uh, alive uh, yeah. financially these days because they want that recruiting coverage, you know. And it, to me, it's all ridiculous. As I said earlier at the beginning of the show, it's just especially this year, there's questions people want to know what's going on with the, it. What's that, Kevin? It reminds me of the Bachelor. It reminds me of the Bachelor show. The Bachelor recruiting. It's like, why do people watch that? <laughs> yeah. Well, especially with the history of busts that this school has had with high-profile kids, and you know, it's just I, I think. You would have th- thought people learned us. their lessons by now. Well, guys who just didn't end up living up to, you know, five-star, four-star. I mean, it, it just it happens everywhere. I just think – I mean, look, the best player on this team right now is a two, uh, a three-star kid, Gregory Rousseau, right? I mean, where was Quincy Rocher mm-hmm. coming out of high school? He, he ended up at Temple. You think he was a five-star? I, I just – the whole star system no. is just a joke to me, and it's really about the player development and whether or not they get who the right kind of coaching. That? So. Who started this? Uh, I don't know, uh, but but don't get me started on it because I'll go off on a tangent. But but anyway, the question uh, related to Jake Garcia and Brashard Smith. Brashard Smith, I think Miami has a great shot, shot landing him. He's a three-star receiver, former Florida um, uh, commitment, and really the difference is Florida wants him as a running back. Miami wants him as a slot receiver. The kid wants to play slot receiver, so that's why I think Miami's in a great standing. The and they'll probably get him Running out of Miami back. Palmetto, Brashard Smith. Yeah, he's a little guy. I think he's 5'8", 175'9". Kind of like a little uh, skinnier version of, of Roscoe, Roscoe Parrish. Um, very elusive. I think, you know, he's he's, yeah. he's, a, he's an interesting-looking kid. Um, and then as far as Jake Garcia, I got oh. a chance to talk to um, our USC writer um, a couple weeks ago. Actually, last week, I think it was, exchanging messages with him about Jake Garcia. Jake's committed to the USC class. I think Jake's father really wants him to go to USC and stay out on the West Coast. I think Jake has a good relationship with Miami's coaches, Rob Likens especially, because Rob Likens was at Arizona State, and obviously they were recruiting him to Arizona State. That's the other school that he's also interested besides Miami and USC. Um, In the end, I think his former high school coach, uh, Antonio Pierce, right, The, the guy who played for the Giants, He's on the staff now at Arizona State, so that's going to make – I think if he ends up anywhere, I think he ends up probably at Arizona State if he defects from USC, but I, I would say Miami's probably running third in that race. Agree or disagree from what you've heard, Kelvin? I think Miami's third in the third race. In the race yeah. um, well, I know he's got the thing with Pierce. Um, they got a good young quarterback at Arizona State. It will be a true sophomore. So, yeah, there is a little bit of cushion. But the kid really liked Miami. Um, honestly, 
I'm calling it okay. a push. I'm calling it even on all three ends because you're right. Antonio Pierce is a is the X factor, um, and Herm Edwards. When you you know if Herm Edwards can get those kids to Arizona, he he he's a great great individual. He can close the deal, and then USC is USC. That's USC is the Miami of the West Coast. Tradition, history, championships, quarterbacks, but they may not have a coach. I just think that we got a really good chance. If right. we win, I, I think they're sitting third. I think Miami's but sitting I third right now for those come. other reasons: the fact that his father wants him on the West Coast, and then second, Arizona State has that coach. But that doesn't mean things can't change as the year progresses, and I expect that to happen in recruiting this year. Once kids are able to start making official visits to campus, yeah. etc. I mean, there's guys that are part of the Miami class that I don't think are going to be part of the class. You know, I just think they're going to end up jumping out. So, but yeah. hey, listen, again, sell subscriptions makes money for our industry. So I'm not going to complain. People, people are just suckers for this stuff, man. What can I tell you? <laughs> Mike Zimmerman, <laughs> you just call the American. Uh, just listen. Sucker. There's a lot of oh them out there. Gosh. Mike Zimmerman, uh, how do you want to wrap this up? Do you have a final question or parting thought? Uh, parting thought is uh, if you aren't a subscriber of The Athletic, please do so. Um, you know, not only do you get Miami content that Manny puts out, but you get every other college football team, you get every other sport. Uh, so there's so much content that we supply. So if you're interested, please um, go to theathletic.com slash wide right. You'll get a 40% discount. Off your annual subscription. That's a pretty good plug, man. I, I Listen, Ooh. you sound... Can he keep his job now, Kelvin? I know you've been threatening to fire him. Even as a guest, you've been threatening to fire him for a while now. <sighs> yeah, what's what's the verdict on that? Uh, I don't know. We'll give you another week. All right. Sounds Kelvin, good. I'll take it. Kelvin, uh, parting thought here as we uh, as we wrap up this episode, uh, you know, after what felt like uh, two years off. I, I just... Yeah, you're right. I just hope that um, we're able to play this season. And I think if we play this season, it's going to be a good season for UM. Oh, uh, since we're doing shameless plugs, um, on the next episode of the U, I'm going to be talking with an UNC writer. And we're going to break down the team that's supposedly our stiffest competition in the coastal, UNC Tar Heels. And like I did on the last episode, I want you to go position by position and say to yourself, "Is this team?" No, they just they, and they just have Mac Brown and a bunch of hype machine up there. But listen, my, it was fourth and seventeen. Was that the play Miami blew, gave up? A bad Miami team gave up last year, fourth and that's and how 17. they lost. I thought I thought it was four, fourth, fourth and twenty-two, but I it was fourth and no, 17. seventeen. I think we even named an episode of our podcast after it. Um, and, and we busted the coverage and just, oh. And then we still had a chance to win if Bubba Baxter wasn't worried about his girlfriend. Hey. We could have won the damn game. <laughs> we, we shouldn't be giving out that information. All right. So. <laughs> but, hey, that's what Kelvin's here for, the comic relief. He's gone now, relief. damn it. He's gone, <laughs> damn it. I mean, he, he'll probably take that baggage with him <sighs> wherever he went to. Not, not, but but you know he's a good kid. It's just saying, you know, hey, things like that happen in college. You gotta suck you gotta, that up. You gotta suck it up, man. I mean, jeez. But hey, he's got a new home, uh, and the Canes have a new kicker. Where did he go? Where to? did he go? Houston. I think he, he he was that the trade, Derek King for uh, Bubba Box. I think Miami would take that trade. Wow. 
Man, Manny, Manny gets executive of the year. That's a hell of a oh, – no, no. We traded Bubba Baxter for a quarterback and a yeah, right tackle. Jared Williams. Man, if Bill O'Brien could have been that good for the Texans, shoot. No, but, you know, honestly, I think Bubba is going to do better at Houston because, you know, he came from a small school. And he was – and he really didn't kick that much. He really didn't have that many opportunities in high school. But the, kick, the kicks that he did make were of a pretty substantial distance, and then he gets thrown into the to the lion's den. And honestly, he's an eighteen-year-old kid. That was a lot of pressure. I think Houston will be a little bit better for him because he's closer to home. And there's you know no disrespect to the Houston program, but they're not playing for anything. They're right. in a comp. All American Conference. Um, you know, their coaches will probably be on the hot seat after this year too. Um, so it'll be better for them. And I and I hope I, I'm gonna tell you something. Anybody that's come to the University of Miami when they leave, I hope that they find a way to be successful. Like how Gus Edwards did, people like him. You know, and I hope that uh Jaron can get you know, get his act together. And have a good year at Garden City and go on to be successful at wherever school he goes to after he leaves uh, Garden City. Yeah. Uh, I'd be interested to see where he ends up and uh, if he can get his career back on track. That'll be a interesting story to watch. I hope so. All man. right, man. Well, we're Kelvin yes, Harris. Sir. You did a great job once again. Uh, Mike Zimmerman, you get to keep your job for the next episode, according to, uh, to Kelvin. So that's good news. Uh, we will be back hopefully soon with the next episode of The Wide mm-hmm. Right podcast is all going to depend on whether or not we can get Mike Zimmerman to come off a vacation. I mean, he's only doing 12 podcasts now, so hopefully we can get him back soon um, and we can get this this show back Mm -hmm. on a regular basis for our listeners. In the meantime, be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can always follow me at Manny underscore Navarro. You can uh, follow Kelvin at Ebony Lifestyles. And then, of course, our producer, Mike CZM, on Twitter as well. Um, So... Make sure you follow us there. Read all the work in The Athletic. It's free. Come on, man. 40% off uh, deal there that uh, my boy Mike just just gave you. And then uh, I think you also get the 30-day free trial included. So a lot of free content, a lot of good writers uh, working for The Athletic. Um, and and, I, and it's, it's, it's where you can find our stuff, man. So anyway, for this uh, episode of the Wide Ride Podcast, we are saying goodbye. We will see you next time. The new Miami. The new Miami, the new Miami, surge, surge, championships, bid on D.